0: following podcast is intended for an adult audience only. It contains strong language, strong accents, strong opinions and themes of a sexual nature. So if you're under 18 or difficult to please, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to another episode of Varying Degrees, a BDSM podcast. I am space sideburns burns and i am here with my wonderful co-host cool hand ads sponsored by cool hand vloggers
1: <laughs> i didn't know if you are going to say that or not it was only a gag good evening burns how you doing mate i'm very well very well you're looking well and you're looking well um in the if you don't mind me saying so in the white pictures i saw give you to and um, some absolutely stunning work by your uh, your rigger, your top, if you don't mind me saying.
0: Yeah, aye, she's yeah. she's been doing some great stuff, and it's been great fun. We upgraded our frame recently, uh, so you know, getting used to that and uh, a few different kind of bits and pieces. Any but workshops? Plenty, plenty of workshops. More more than I can mention. <laughs> I think we need an episode just to discuss workshops. Do you know what I mean? So much of it out there, you know, so much of it out there. Um So if any of our listeners are interested. I think just get on Instagram, get full on some rope educators. It's they, they're easy enough to find, you know, and uh, a lot of them
1: are doing stuff online. Well, it's good to hear you've been keeping yourself busy, mate, um, during lockdown. But lockdown's nearly to an end, and I think that's going to be quite relevant for our guest tonight, Burns. As you're aware, I'm a bit of a munch slut. Uh, I I occasionally have to travel for work, and about three about three or so years ago. I was down in the West Country and I was down there for work and I needed to uh, stay sane. So I messaged the leader of the local under 35s munch. Uh, Not sure if I'd be able to attend because I'm 35 or I was 35 and I'd never attended under 35s before and I'd only barely heard of them really. So I messaged that uh, organiser of that event, uh, went along, was welcomed, had a really good night and managed to stay in contact or semi-contact with a few of the people I met that evening. So tonight we're lucky enough to be joined by the person who organises the munch I went to. She is a, a active member of her local community, organiser of Under 35's local munch for herself, a burlesque dancer, which will interest you, and a content creator. So welcome to the show, Miss Violence May. I got that right, didn't I? Violence?
2: Yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> so many people, it's Violet, say Violet, not... No, no 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 that's wrong <laughs>
1: it's violent violent like the punch in the face you get for saying the it wrong. punching
2: yeah not
1: the flower so many questions but where did the violent may come from did that just come to you is it your performing name
2: yeah it's my performing name I don't even know how I got it. it just I think it was like I was walking across Bristol my parents live in Bristol I was visiting them and there was like actually a flower shop saying like it was called like Lily Violet Maze or something and it was like a flower bike stand and I was like there's something there but fuck all of that bullshit <laughs> and just changed it ever so slightly I wanted to do horror messed up barless not pretty pretty cheesecake mm. classic stuff and that's how I kind of got my name <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for agreeing to join us this evening. Thank you
2: experience. for having me.
1: I mean, so much to ask you. So how long have you been involved in in your local community and, and sort of what drew <laughs> you to that and to running events?
2: So it's a very weird setup. I visit Plymouth a lot. Like I went to Plymouth for uni. I live close to Bath. Where there isn't really a scene, you've kind of got to go to Bristol, but I still go down to Plymouth a fair bit. Like I've got Crash Base and my girlfriend lives there. So I'm involved in that scene a lot more. It kind of attracted me when I first started going to uni a lot more than the Bristol scene did because it is much smaller. And back then I was a lot shyer and a lot less confident (laughs) than I am now. So the idea of going to a munch where there's only like 10 people sometimes versus the Bristol ones where it's like 30 people usually um, appealed a lot more to me. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. And then I got into running munches myself. Um, We started doing Plymouth University like kinky students kind of thing on un- uno- one of those unofficial societies you kind of get but we it didn't really work because there wasn't enough of us <laughs> it was too small and it was the opposite <laughs> it went from like it was like four of us and then you also had obviously one mature student who felt out like he stood out like a sore thumb he was like I feel so awkward <laughs> myself <laughs> being here so we were like oh we'll change it to the 35s then <laughs> and, and since then it's kind of just grown and grown like some some munches we still get like a few a handful of people um other munches I think we've had like upwards of 30 people which for the Devon and Cornwall scene is a lot (laughs) Um,
0: so so essentially that age bracket was selected to actually make the event more inclusive specifically for the university crowd
2: yeah, like Plymouth has a very big student population for the city. If you if you visit during summer, you'll be like, where is everyone? Because they've all gone home. Mm. And the only people that are left there are like <laughs> um, right, the local the local people. The thing that attracted us to under-35s was, yeah, to kind of expand the age bracket. And it was kind of, it, it, when we did, we start doing the under-35s. I think it was like, oh, fucking hell, like... 2016 I think Mm. And that was kind of when like The under 35s across the whole Of the country started to kind of build up Like the Bristol under 35s Had been going on for yonks Before Mm. us and I know the ex, there was the Exeter under 35s who had only been going for like a year or two before us as well. So it felt like the natural kind of progression to have an Exeter the 35s. And I think there was a Cornwall, there's a Cornwall one, which was before us too. So we mm. kind of meet in the middle. <laughs> my, my only ever thought
1: with that is that when you have a group of friends who maybe meet up twice a month and one of those times is at a munch, or maybe you only meet up once a month. What happens when those friends pass 35? <laughs> Obviously that's <they're> still your <laughs> mates. That's still yeah. your mates and they still want to come along to the munch and they're harmless because yeah. they're your mates. So there's a rule. So I it's, don't know. It is you know.
2: so hard. Yeah. Is it that's the thing we haven't really luckily have that yet because we're still we haven't had many people who joined who were at that point. I know one of the Exeter under 35s. Uh, munch leaders turned 36 a few years ago and he had to be like, I am I have carried this pole, and <laughs> time to pass the torch on to someone else. But you know, you still see the the mountain about there's a there's um the local party you no know, mercy manor. There's a lot of munches. If you if you don't count the Plymouth scene as the Plymouth scene and you count it as the Cornwall and Devon scene then you've got loads of lunches to go to. Like you could probably do one a week quite easily so long as you're prepared to travel. <laughs> it's not mm. like, you know, the London scene where you might be, I don't know, I don't know how London, the London scene works, but obviously you'll you, you could potentially be a few tube stops away. Mm. <laughs> and that's your one a week versus down in Devon and Cornwall where your one a week will be North Devon, then Plymouth, then going to Liscard in Cornwall, then going to Exeter, then potentially even traveling up to Somerset, like Taunton Way. So long as you've got the transport, you should be okay. But even still, there's lift sharing and things like that. There's a lot of that that goes on. Like people are very friendly and will help each other out to get to places if needs be.
1: I did notice that when I was down there because, you know, when I was travelling with work pre-COVID, I would look at the local scene and events in the town or city I was in and there was just nothing on in the two weeks I was there apart from, in, in, you know, local, but I could get to... On foot of a short bus journey away, uh, as I didn't have a car with me, I just thought, oh wow, blimey! Because you know, even you know, we're not we're not London, but between us and a neighbouring town, we could realistically go to four events, four socials a month. Poly games, couple of munches. In a way, it encourages you to explore more. I'd imagine it encourages you to not fall into a comfort zone.
2: For sure, like, but equally well if you are a total introvert, like my girlfriend, like she she's like I could travel, I could get a lift, or I could just stick to the plumber scene, that's fine. Or you I've got some friends in the scene who do really do the traveling and really do branch out all over the shop, really. Yeah, it's kind of you you put up those boundaries I guess with what you can and can't do with munches which is kind of what you get what you would say to anyone in any part of the country whether it's a really big scene like London or a really tiny scene so yeah it's kind of what you want to do basically that's kind of top tip with munches <laughs> go to
1: mm. one there's a lot of similarities like i was at a munch in birmingham where there was upwards of 60 or 70 people yeah really big mid <laughs> the mid the mid on a wednesday as well the midweek lunch or wednesday their midweek munch insane but nevertheless i walked in that many people There was still cake all over the bar you know i don't know is that a thing where you are anyone ever turned oh. up with cake not really.
2: We, we're we always worried about upsetting the venue because of like, oh, why aren't you buying our drinks and foods? Mm. <laughs> I always say we can have cake munches, but we can have them on the hoe, which is like a massive greens <laughs> bit by the sea instead. We're like you know swing some roundabouts and that's something another good thing about the plumber scene is we've got loads of outdoor spaces so mm. it's it can be a really cheap we can really organize some really cheap bunches as well as doing like the general Papari ones. So I
0: was gonna say it's interesting that you mentioned the concept of, of shyness and <laughs> I think that's a really important point that you've made is that you go to as little or as much as you are personally mm. comfortable with and Thank you for saying that, because I think there's quite a few people out there who might have, uh, who want to go to something, but they're like, oh, I'm not too sure. Or certainly with lockdown, you get a lot of people who kind of have this almost guilt of not doing stuff and, and, and feeling like, oh, I'm not reaching out to my pals or I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. And that's okay sometimes, you know. Mm, uh, you, for sure. You don't have an obligation to go to an event. You don't have an obligation to get in touch with people. You know, I mean, all right, swings and roundabouts, you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> you you know, especially if you were a little, to be honest, if you were a little <laughs> and there were swings and roundabouts, you'd be right in your heights of glory. Play- <laughs> a playground munch. This great. Um, I think that is, that is really, really important. I think that's really good to hear.
2: Yeah. And particularly mention
0: of the difference, you know?
2: Yeah, particularly with like COVID, it's hard to engage with the community when the community has taken a backseat. It's kind of had to with mm. everyone. Like you people have been worried about money sorry, they're not going to be in the right frame of mind to be thinking, yes, let's go to a munch. Let's talk about some filth. <laughs> I'm down for that. <laughs> Uh, it could be there's obviously childcare. there's you know people have lives and it's also okay to disengage from the scene for whatever reason hmm. whether it be personal financial um whatever it's okay to disengage um from the scene
0: i'd like to ask what challenges have you faced in running such an event
2: <laughs> so we obviously had some older people from the scene criticising the under thirty fives because they thought we were running it because we were like it's a safer I, I just actually did air quotes and I was like that's not going to work on a podcast is it? <laughs> um, they felt we were doing it because we said it was safer. It's not safer. Predators are going to be anywhere in the scene. Unfortunately, mm. it's just the way it is. What we did say, however, like I had to do like a mission statement on the Plymouth Fund of 35s. So you can read it on Fat Life if you so choose. <laughs> is that you know people who are under 35s are potentially, most po- probably, I am generalizing here, less experienced than people who are older. It's not always the case, but usually. And then also you're going to have more things in common, usually with people around that age. I've seen munches where like you've had a six-year-old person talking to an 18-year-old and it was like, hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Great. How's the weather? Like (laughs) there was no particular, you know, there there was conversation going, but it wasn't anything to do with their interests or their hobbies. Whilst, you know, we at the under 35s. There was someone, I guarantee it, any under 35 month you will find someone talking about gaming <laughs> somewhere. Um, that's kind of the big criticism we've had. The other thing is, I guess we've had some criticism with me being um, a snowflake. <laughs> um, I try to be inclusive. I'm a feminist. I believe in Black Lives Matter. Um, I really want to try and get, we really do try and promote LGBTQ rights and things like that. Um, and I basically told someone who was deliberately trying to trigger people to shut the fuck up, <laughs> and he then did some other stuff. Drama, basically drama. I'm apparently a drama starter because I call people out on their bullshit. Basically, if they're it's not um, yeah. behaving in a way that's the like the big criticism is, unfortunately, as a munch do you get you don't get much out. You know we're doing this for free for uh, because we want a scene, but there's not as much payoff as someone who potentially runs parties or anything like that. you know mm-hmm. we're doing this because we want the space. so it's we want the space to be like as safe as possible. <laughs> and when you have got people trying to say black light don't matter, all lives matter or uh, <laughs> whatever, then I'm gonna tell you to shut, fuck up. <laughs>
0: Um, that's the thing isn't it I mean it's, it's one thing having a difference of opinion mm-hmm. but it's quite another to as this person that you've described of just being ab- absolutely rude you know yeah. dis- disrespectful there's a difference I mean there's been munchies that I've been at and I've spoken to people who have quite markedly different political views to myself and I've had a perfectly civil discussion with them yeah and I've, I've found myself chatting about Different things entirely, and having a great laugh, and really enjoying their company, and they enjoying mine. You know, yeah. And and, and it, it, it's when you when you kind of look at it, detached from as, as I say, those, those people who are intentionally sitting out to upset people, and just think of yeah, that as sure. laugh. I mean, yeah. All right, they can fuck off certainly. But
2: <laughs> it's that as well. Like the criticism you usually get as someone who does run munches is usually from mm. something you either have not done because you didn't know about it or mm. something you have done and you did act on it and you did act <laughs> in what you thought was the best way possible but then people were like no mm. that was too far how dare you
1: Hi. well when you're um, <laughs> you know when you're running an event you've essentially put your head above a parapet in a way haven't you because if people want to take a swipe at somebody in the community or something you know, in an active community, it might it's more than likely going to be somebody who's involved in organising events. And like you say, people that support local events, they don't get anything out of it. And if somebody doesn't like a way an event has been running, why don't they just start their own event? If somebody thinks that their preferences and their views will attract like-minded people that they would want to hang out with, why don't they start their own event? And people can say what they like about fair... The thing is, right... You can then say, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to a games munch because I don't like games, it's exclusionary. You could apply it to every yeah. group of people, do you know what I mean? I know it's not the same thing, but if you don't like the people that are attending an event or their views or the things that they get up to, whether it's the theme of the event or their political views, well, start your own event. Have some like-minded people join you and do your own thing.
2: We, we do tell people multiple times, like, if you, if you don't like it, there is the door or you can actually organize your own thing like um, my girlfriend has started running that's the group Plymouth Pop-Up Bunches on Fat Life the aim of them is to for anyone to be like hey let's do this let's go to the zoo for a day or let's go and have a picnic at the park or let's go and watch a film something which is off the cuff anyone can fucking organize it that's the point of them and since we've given we've tried to do that no one's done anything it's like guys you've missed the point of this
0: yeah it, 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 it is kind of difficult though and I think sometimes people want to get that idea just to start off and sometimes they just need that bit of encouragement to get started and that's the thing i think it's very easy to see a lot of these events as exclusionary when they're they're not anywhere near as much as people might suggest you know you are bringing together people with a shared interest now they might have many other interests which don't overlap but it's like you're there for a common purpose for god's sake do you know what i mean what would you rather Mm. do go to an event right purposefully pick out The one person that's there that doesn't match you on, say, political views, uh, favourite films, favourite colour. You know, you turn up in a blue T-shirt, right, right, I'm going to find the guy with a green T-shirt and start start arguing with him, you know. Or, you know, I'll go, I'll just try and have a nice time. Do you know what I mean? Put aside some of that stuff. And unfortunately, some people mm. can or won't, you know, but as I say, one of the things mm-hmm. that I've I've certainly enjoyed at munchies is that kind of big range. And I suppose maybe that I'm I'm kind of spoiled because when I first started going, there was quite a big range of people, mm. ages and all the rest of it. Mm. And this this isn't to knock an under-35s munch, right? Not at all. I think what you're doing is great and... As, as explained, you know, you've you've made it more inclusionary within the particular group that you were in. Brilliant stuff. Where we were, it just, not by design, it was just sort of panned out that way. There was this big range. So while, obviously, you get people meeting up with a friend's be like, right, I'm going to talk to my pals that I know, because we do that. It's just like, right, right, I feel safe in this. You occasionally had crossover, where the people who were less experienced... Were able to talk to the people who are more experienced and they're like right i'm interested in learning about this or th- th- this is a thing that i'm interested in so i've seen just just to use the same example of earlier you know i've seen younger people talking to people who are quite considerably older and getting tips of places to go be it an event be it uh, talking about a workshop they might want to go to you know and that's really very useful and I think what you've done there with the under 35s munch, expanding it from the kind of the, the uni age, which tend to be, you know, 18, 19 and all that, but then allowing in some of the more mature students as well, as you've done and expanded it, it gives that access to that experience and knowledge, you know, and mm. as, as you said, it allows that kind of progression. And then if they want to progress further or do anything else after that, great but it gives them the start, which I think is fantastic.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, it's definitely like the the older... I was about to do air quotes again, great. (laughs) The older, like under 35s, or the ones of the upper age bracket, shall we say. Mm. Yeah, we do give advice... um, through even before like COVID, we had a kick chat and then we moved because we thought kick would get shut down. So now we're on discord and that was before COVID. So we, we have a few channels where people can obviously ask for advice as well. Mm. Um, and as well as munches. And I, I think people somehow feel less awkward to be like, can you talk to me about what's the best loop? Like it's sometimes quite hard to wangle that in a natural. Mm conversation whilst online on a Mm. on like a thread on discord labeled kink advice (laughs) it's a lot easier just to type can you tell me about fisting like (laughs) Mm. it's a lot easier than trying to wangle it into a conversation in a pub <laughs> Aye, absolutely.
0: A question I had, you mentioned Discord earlier. When I'd set up a Discord server for our local community, part of the reason for it was for, particularly for newer people, to stay in contact or get in contact with people they maybe met a munch, where things like a WhatsApp group chat might be unsuitable because the newer people might not have somebody's phone number which obviously you'd need to get an invite to the WhatsApp group and all the rest of it. And whether that's someone's not comfortable in giving it away or it's just not come up in conversation or they forgot or any of that. So Discord kind of seemed a natural progression even pre-Covid and then obviously the online munches and all the rest of it. You, you mentioned particularly the Discord. How have you found that that's... I would say benefited, but even just changed the way you do things.
2: So with our Discord, it was very similar. Like, we just wanted a place to, well, chat in between lunches, We could ask for advice or just ask about each other's day, you know, just get to know each other without it mm. being potentially once a month mm. at a time. See each other for like two, three hours. Bye. See you in another month's time. Yeah. Mm. Um, So that's why we set up our Discord as well, very similar to you guys. Um, With how it's changed the scene and benefited us, um, it's definitely changed it. Like, we've had a few people who've come into the Discord, stayed for a few months, and they were actually really chatty with us. Um, But they just dropped off suddenly and were like, actually, I can't do this anymore, and I'm out. And it's like, well, you clearly weren't getting any... Human, human interactions it's very hard to like make more meaningful reactions like meaningful relationships in some ways in the scene over your screen <laughs> what's well, essentially a chat room basically and not putting faces to names not everyone has obviously face photos online mm-hmm. which is fair enough to be just chatting with names potentially is weird so we've had seen some people who've just completely who, who have done the thing been like not for me I'm out And that's that. But we've also seen other people who who have really benefited from like, particularly our Shire members. They've loved it. They've really enjoyed it. Mm. And we've been able to plan how we do things a lot more. I now do like on Discord, like react to the munch you want, which is virtual. do a smiley face if you want this one, do a sad face if you want this one, and then do like a react to which day would suit you. So it's, we've been able to organize ourselves a bit, but only that's just the virtual munches for when mm-hmm. things do, touch word open back up, we'll be able to like follow the same kind of thing of like, which munch would you like to do? React, <laughs> which day would suit you best? React, and that would work really well. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, benefited us certainly in terms of an organizational point of view with us being lunch leaders Um, but yeah leaders is a
1: funny old word isn't it it's
2: so fucking funny i hate it
1: what are you leading do you know what i mean (laughs) but it's the common it's the common term you we didn't coin it
2: dictators (laughs) you will go to the pub
1: you've been so you've been actively involved like we're saying within your local community Was there a correlation between the BDSM world and your involvement and getting involved in burlesque?
2: So kinky wise I was kinky before I got into burlesque but when I I was like kinky from age 18 it it was a really great, great start as you would expect an 18 year old to have gotten a relationship with a much older man who was also cheating on his girlfriend so that was really a good idea from mine hindsight is such a powerful tool <laughs> um, So, yeah, I was kinky before I got into burlesque. Then at uni, I was joined in the scene, going to the munches here and there, and then the Plymouth University Burlesque Society suddenly popped up out of nowhere. It was was its first year when I was in my first year, so it was a really small society in contrast to, like, the Rock Sock, which had, like, you know, 200-plus members. So for when I was all shy and dainty... (laughs) it suited me a lot better and I initially joined the burlesque society as a confidence thing and a confidence boost and I was like oh maybe I do actually want to take it onto stage and it definitely tried to get burlesque kink into burlesque to start with and I was like oh maybe I can do some like kinky acts but it's really hard to do <laughs> to make it unique enough anyway um so it's just kind of why I just went and I'll uh, do some more horrory things as well as trying to make it kinky, but not really. <laughs> so, yeah, there's like a small correlation, but not really.
1: <laughs> so you perform under the name we introduced you under, Violent May. Yes. And of so where have you been with this? Is this just locally? Is it further afield? Have you travelled around the country at all with it? Or are you predominantly down in the west?
2: Um, predominantly down in the southwest, but I will go wherever I am called upon. So long as they are paying me, I will go pretty much before, like I think the furthest afield I've done is Leicester at the Pie Bar. I've obviously done London. I've also gone to Swansea. That's me being international, but not really, because it's just a, it's like a 45 minute drive for me. It's not that far at all, like to get over the bridge. Um, So, yeah, pretty much anywhere that will have me.
1: Yeah. yeah you mentioned you mentioned being paid is it is this what you would consider your job or does it cover <laughs> it covers expenses it's something that is um you know is this a vocation you know how, how do you view your burlesque dancing
2: that is such a good question like I, I do have a muggle job which is what pays bills and things like that for so, how I see Bellis obviously it was a confidence thing, but then when you can turn a hobby into something that financially benefits you, you may as well, like when you get to that level, you're like, yes, I would like to be paid actually. And I remember after my first two years, when people were starting to take a bit more notice of me, but weren't quite giving me the money, I started to get really down on myself. And that's the point when you're like, should I be giving up because people want me but people aren't paying me what what am I doing wrong and you've just kind of got to get past that point to then get the money (laughs) it sounds really like crude to say yeah it's a hobby but I financially benefit from it in some ways I try and get my expenses paid for I try and get my costumes covered uh, as well as all my time practicing and things like that
1: Um, yeah Burns you've got a a bit of an interest in burlesque didn't you say that you had a burlesque name lined up for yourself should you ever turn pro no uh (laughs) it's it's, it's, it's a
0: short answer um there was uh talk a while ago around one of the local munches we were looking at getting an amateur burlesque thing going and it never quite went anywhere the idea was that we'd have people doing different kind of burlesque turns be it if someone wanted to strip or if someone wanted to dance or you know any kind of acrobatic stuff and I think there were a few people who had the idea of doing you know some kind of kinky comedy and I had this idea of like just sort of emceeing you know it's kind of coming on and uh, you know it's just kind of Kink-related gags, you know the kind of. Uh, I don't do camp, but I occasionally do men. So tie up your boyfriends. I mean, lock up your boyfriends. <laughs> uh, you, you know stuff like that. And uh, I had an idea of a fictional drag queen called Rachel Prejudice, but then I thought the joke would kind of wear thin quite quickly, so it kind of disappeared. You know. Love it. <laughs> Well, nobody <laughs> likes Rachel Prejudice. So, you know, <laughs> it's not really a market for it. Well, there is a market for it, but the uh, wrong <laughs> kind of market, I... aye.
1: What, what were your influences? Because, you know, a lot of people that get into any sort of performance art look to who has gone before them and what they've done. So, you know, did you have anyone, when you started getting into it, did you have anyone you looked to who influenced you or at least, if not influenced you, you admired and you, you thought, you know, that's yeah, where I'd I'll... like to be?
2: Definitely for sure, like um, Marnie Scarlett, who performs at Torture and she very much does fetishy straight up fetish acts um, like designs her own latex costumes, she was like stunning on stage and sometimes like twinges on the horror as well for me as well aurora galore like when i first got into burlesque, the burlesque scene in the uk was changing quite massively it was going into more neo burlesque which isn't all the like feathers and rhinestones it's not so much about that it's about making characters and you don't have to perform to 1950s bump and grind kind of that kind of style leslie tavontes more pussycat Mm -hmm. dolls i guess like that sort of slap dropping or whatever so aurora galore definitely inspired me um because she was kind of the front runner of to push neo Burlesque into the uk scene who else marie De- devil row whose name i can never say properly she's stunning and does like loads of horror based acts again performs at torture garden and, and does like coffin shaped act and pours blood over herself it's amazing <laughs> but she also does like the, classic kind of more classic 1950s kind of style stuff as well recently another person who we were lucky enough to get on my own show um Cleo Panther she is a fucking badass that <laughs> look her up on Instagram, please do. She's amazing. Um, and she's really inspired. She's in, not been in the scene for very long, but she's incredible and has managed to get into like the top 30 of burlesque dancers of the world. Like there's a voting thing that happens every year. And of course, last but not least, like the person who inspires me most probably is um, my burlesque mama. <laughs> But my teacher, um, Fantastic Miss Fanny, um, she's the person who taught me. She does a lot of, like, comedy-based acts and just kind of gave me the confidence and the love and the constructive criticism that I needed, not only to, like, actually get the fuck on stage, but also with my own show as well. Um,
1: yeah. So, yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realise, that, you know, when you look at burlesque, there is a lot of comedy in it. And if you look at the history of burlesque, it, it went through a phase a little while ago where you know it it was commonly just seen as a type of stripping wasn't it you know I think it's it's Mm -hmm. that perceptions that false perception that that the masses had I think that's probably shifted a lot with uh maybe with social media and you know society becoming more liberal and you know seeing because I'm looking at um Marnie Scarlett right now and absolutely fierce awesome yeah (laughs) Um, um really good stuff really cool stuff but um maybe, you know, more diverse art is more accepted now as well. And perhaps, and it's not, you know, where if you spoke about, if we're speaking about a burlesque, I think in the nineties, we'd probably be and it was main, you know, we're talking about mainstream aspects of it at the end of the nineties, probably more about feather bowers and strippers potentially, yeah. you know, but not because that's what it was or what, that's where it came from. But that was just the more common perception perhaps
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, it's definitely shifting (laughs) and changing. Um, And as well, like, the scene as well, we've got um, more people of colour performing, which is fucking awesome. More um, LGBTQ people Mm. coming onto the stage. There's even like shows such as the Cocoa Butter Club, um, which is specifically for people of colour, like ob people of colour can perform on that stage, and the Bit and Peach, which is uh, both London shows. So annoyingly it can never fucking make them. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Bit and Peach as well is for Asian performers as well. So you've kind of got those two shows which are again front runners for really getting diversity up. And- the burlesque and cabaret scene and it's also the other thing that's quite interesting is as well like certain regions have um, preferences like a few years ago in the southwest just as I was getting into it of course it was just as I was getting into burlesque it was all about comedy and I was doing straight up horror I was nowhere near comedy I've only just started to get into like comedy acts myself performing them but when I first started in southwest it was all about comedy that, that's all that's the thing that people would go get hyped for however in the midlands it was horror it was totally horror horror straight up chat blood down yourself people go fucking wild so i was i know to start with i was going up to wolverhampton and the midlands quite a fair bit which i think is now why i have a massive soft spot for performing up
1: there yeah you
0: look like you've got something on your mind buddy no oh, it's just just listening with interest. You know, it's just just interesting to hear about and sort of the regional differences. I think that's that's quite interesting, especially as you said that kind of goes in stages. So that is, mm. you might be just starting off getting into it and think, oh, this is what this is, but then it will change, and it might not be that it's just a natural progression necessarily. It might just be that that's what it was that month, you know, or that yeah. that, that year, you know kind of the the trend at the time, and before it was something else, before that and before that and before that. So, like you say, I think that kind of highlights the importance of checking out the different scenes as much as you can. I mean, obviously, as you said earlier, you know, travel does limit it, and obviously with COVID, that's kind of knocked a lot on the head, but a lot of stuff online. Have you found that there's much in terms of kind of like online burlesque? at the minute right now
2: i feel a bit negative saying there's it feels like there's almost too much (laughs) it sounds really weird to say like you've got laser shows suddenly popping up um and yeah there's too many things and also i i mean personally i just keep forgetting it's there and i've done a few here i've done a few shows feel like been to a few shows here and there um, personally with where I am with my ballast because it for me it's you know mostly a hobby with a bit of a financial gain I haven't I've only performed in a, like two three online shows personally because I don't want to take away from performers whose it is their bread and butter it is their main source of income i don't want to take away a space from someone who could potentially actually be really needing that money when i've been i work in in a muggle job as job as well so that's kind of why i've not been performing as much online however i have been trying here and there to go to shows online Um, i've done a few here and there so
1: yeah I've noticed that you've recently been promoting events again on Instagram and FL, is that right? Have you got something coming up?
2: Yeah, yeah, my baby, <laughs> um, Untamed What burlesque. a time
1: to give birth. What a time to give yeah. birth coming out of a pandemic because <laughs> the challenges you must be facing at the moment with <laughs> with giving birth to your burlesque baby <laughs> in the aftermath yeah. of a pandemic. Well, <laughs> it's
2: luckily, like, I'm not used to producing Untamed Burlesque because it's been going on. For about two years in Bath and then technically a year in Plymouth but we did a few shows before that as well so I'm not new to perform to like producing however I am new New like every um, people are very cautious obviously with buying tickets <laughs> because it's like one moment the rules could change you don't know what you're doing with certain ways of how I usually would promote well the ve- like the venue in Bath they do a lot of promotion for me but with how they have be used to be able to promote which was like with a flyer which went out to cafes and bars in the area they don't really can't really do that uh, right now like so there's, there's no one in cafes and bars to be able to pick up a flyer and certainly Covid will not let you do that so
1: I suppose is it the venue itself that actually you know you don't have to worry about the COVID. I say don't. Yeah, from an organisational point of view, do you not have to worry about the COVID too much because the venue has the rules and the systems in place? Yeah, and you just so have like organised to, to there yeah.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Like um, they have to do the COVID rules to the pe- to the audience. I kind of have to do the COVID ro- rules with the performers. Oh, I nice. like backstage and things like that which is kind of hard when most dressing rooms are titchy. <laughs> so
1: you're having to do risk assessments and stuff like that.
2: I probably should be doing them but <laughs> <laughs> I've just been uh, telling performers this is I, I would do like a massive like um, luckily we were able to do a um, show in our Plymouth in our new Plymouth venue um the Underground and we managed mm. to do one for a Christmas show thank fuck because this will show was meant to happen in september and didn't and i just sent like a massive email being like this is what you need to do this is what you cannot do this is <laughs> how you need to get to the stage you need to travel with a mask on you can't just walk up onto stage um yeah it felt a bit over the top but you kind of got to go through those hoops it just in case the covid police turn up
1: do you know anybody who's got a uh ppe based act in the world. no
2: i've got a plague doctor one so there's that's, that's halfway there yeah. <laughs>
1: that's appropriate at the moment isn't it? maybe a bit on, yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit appropriate maybe a bit unnerving for the audience but if you walk up uh, with your perfumes and your scents burning waving that
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> if they turn around and say there's no sight i've lost my sense of smell i can't smell anything and we'll be like you've got COVID." leave
1: but you know on, on a on a serious note you know there are going to be people who are apprehensive even after the jabs been rolled out and we've been told by you know that everything's okay there are going to be people <clears throat> that are right you know and everyone has their own risk profile yeah you know, so people are going to be apprehensive and that's fine some people are going to be confident and have faith in their jab that's fine if you want to have faith in whatever you want to have faith in that's absolutely okay as well but there are going to be challenges around the way people interact socially the way audience interact with you perhaps do you have much interaction and participation is that a big part of what you do and do you think that you know that the way people are going to be at events will change for a little while
2: i think it depends on the show mostly like the bath show it's quite a middle-class venue <laughs> in the nicest way possible so you you've got more middle-aged clientele having who and bath bath audiences are lovely but they are very quiet like they'll do a gentle Yay. Whilst other shows like my Plymouth show, it's proper woo, <laughs> like, you know, they go fucking Kelp Leather. Um, it's a much smaller venue as well than my bath show in Plymouth. So the fact that people stand as well, like, so you've got that. So people just, it's it's much more audience participation <laughs> when it's a smaller venue. Versus Bath, where you can't really do that. I think it just depends on the show, pretty much.
1: How do you come up with new acts in terms of, like, you know, do you get inspired? Like, you're, you do a lot of horror stuff, or do you get inspired by horror movies? Do you have a bad dream and, like, well, that's a good idea. It, you know, does it just come from the darkness of your soul?
2: The darkness of my soul, I guess. Uh, like, yeah, I do watch. I, I do watch horror movies. <laughs> like, I was thinking about this one in the shower because I was like, I knew "You gonna ask this one?" Um, and I was like, "Where? Do, where do I pull inspiration from?" Like, I just get it <laughs> and that's that like that it just pops into my head and then I'm stuck with the idea pretty much like um I wanted to do a fetishy nurse act which stuck with me and then I kind of tried to find a song which was suitable uh, found one then I was like no this song is shit and I don't like it because it's Marilyn Manson and that was before the Marilyn Manson fiasco thing <laughs> it was uh just because I was like he's he's really overplayed in burlesque right now I change the song um, so that was fun so yeah it's it's just me having an idea and then getting stuck in that idea pretty much and rolling with it until I find a song that I think oh yeah that'll work.
1: that's um that's quite typical of creatives or when you have an idea because I mean I I would never claim to be creative but I occasionally make the odd thing it tends to be you get an idea just pops into your head and it won't go away until you realize it you need to find Mm -hmm. a way of realizing this idea
2: for sure much like like, um... much
1: like when a murderer sort of fixates (laughs) on a victim and they have to purge that fixation
2: (laughs) yeah that that like um
1: (laughs) you have to bring this idea you have to bring it out. And...
2: Yeah, one of the big ones I had, which um, is an actor really needs to like actually re-perform at some time, because otherwise it's going to go on the chopping block now that I think about it. But um, I had the idea, I was like, oh, I can't I think I kind of want to do a classic act, but not a classic act as well. So I was like, oh, I'll do an undead showgirl instead. Well, it starts with me having like a fake brain, which I pull out as well and do that. And it starts with the David Rose stripper song, you know, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da before turning into the next bit of music. But I was really struggling to find that last bit of music. And it took me watching The Sopranos and it being that a song at the end of being like, that's the song, the song. They're <laughs> having to like find out what this fucking song was to then actually choreograph the whole thing it's kind of a backwards way of working I guess but I am now starting to go the other way and be like oh well, I want to do it to this song or I'll try and work an act around that as well so
1: you know you as you, as you go for anything you can you're constantly refining your creative process aren't you because you will learn things that really worked for you and you would develop them and you will try other ways of doing things and just keep refining that process um yeah and I suppose different ideas come about in different ways so you might get the you know you might get a good idea for an ending for how to finish something like crikey I've got to now to get to that point I've got to now get to that big finish or I've now got a make X fit with Y and Z, you know. Burns has done stand up before, you know, quite a bit in the past. I mean, obviously COVID's taken a bit of a knock on that and, and you've written. I mean, have you ever found when approaching stand-up that you get an idea and then you've got to somehow try and make it happen?
0: Um I think one of the things that I've found is that sometimes inspirational strike at odd points. For instance, there was a particular joke that I'd done at a number of shows and I couldn't get it to land. And then someone had said something to me about Jigging the order In which I told The same jokes So I did that At this one Particular show And while I was On stage Telling the joke it kind of popped up, you know, this is it, this is the, the, the way of telling it. So I'd gone from a, I can't do this joke, to, oh, there it is. To, I, 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 why did I not see that before, you know? And it worked really well. So sometimes I think even just revisiting something, and like, like you say, like me, going back to kind of a classic routine and changing <laughs> it, okay, you've got the basis of it, but just by shifting it slightly, Rejigging it around a bit You come up with this kind of brand new thing That was near enough staring you in the face already, you know Yeah, definitely, for sure So, Philip May, you mentioned earlier About the multitude of burlesque shows online Do you feel that this has any impact on content creators at all? Oh
2: yeah, for sure. At the start of the pandemic, there are obviously lots of performers whose main income is, but less performing being on stage, who kind of had to go to OnlyFans, obviously being the major site, um, mm. doing cam it, cam work, um, and that kind of made me rethink camming as such. Um, I'd mm. no longer an adult work as a result because I was like, to be fair, like adult work, the tr- footfall of traffic was becoming less and less and they were putting more and more restrictions on webcam performers on that site anyway. And I was doing it less and less as well. I was going from like once a week, every time, every single Tuesday to once every other week to once a month to when I could be fucking bothered. So it wasn't really even worth it (laughs) towards the end. Mm. So it did kind of make me readjust. And now I only do like, I do Skype calls still. Yes, people still use Skypes. So it's just hoes. <laughs> <laughs> and um as well, um, I do like custom content, but you've just got to get in touch with me directly. You're not giving money to um scummy websites, you're just giving it money to me.
0: <laughs> That's fair. You, say, you said you used to be best on a Tuesday. I was gonna say, I dare say you've dealt with some see you next Tuesdays. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs>
1: But that's the thing with content, well, with can, with can work, because I, I know a couple of other people that do cam work. And although you get obviously random people, you know, on a busy night, you also can gain a following and people that will come on, you know, for you and a loyal following. And, you know, much like anything, your offering stops or takes a hiatus. People will shop elsewhere, to put it bluntly. Yeah. And that following that you've built up will drop off and disappear yeah definitely
2: for sure and like um the whole illusion of people saying oh you get to pick your own hours and it's flexible two-way point you still have to pick your hours you still have to mm. set a time like it's mm. not completely when you feel like it if you do want to do it when you feel like it you probably won't be making much money
1: so mm. i know someone who stays up stupid late to catch the american trade
2: yeah but, and know- like i i couldn't do that because of mug or job so yeah for me when I started doing cam work it was just an extra bit of money what we what um my husband and I call pizza money like it was money which gave us more takeaways basically Mm. (laughs) um rather than to pay for anything like we said, like, the moment we start relying on that money, it never came to it anyway. If it was the case we started to rely on that money for bills, then we drop out, like, we work out something else. But <laughs> we ne- never had that problem, though, so,
1: yeah. I look, at it like a, I look at it like business and commerce. Like, you know, you've got an offering, you've got a product, you know, your product is your offering, you know, you know what it is, how it's packaged and presented. And you can't blame people for doing it, but since the pandemic, even through maybe getting less hours through their muggle job or because they can't do stage shows anymore or because bills are mounting or whatever, they think, oh, I can maybe try and do some cam work. And then but the thing is, it also makes it harder to find offerings of quality with people that are actually putting thought into what they're doing and their package.
2: Yeah, Um, definitely. And, like, you know, you've got to really stand out as well with what you are offering. Like, as someone who is a white skinny very great and cis passing looking person yeah I, I don't have much offer in the ways of OnlyFans and I, I took one look at OnlyFans and was like that's not the fight for me like I, I've i got um I know someone who does um shoots five times a week mm. for OnlyFans and will stay up to make that content and I'm like no that, that's too much that's too much dedication, and like they That hard work has paid off. I think they're in like the top 9% of people in the site. But like the amount of time and effort she's had to put into getting there is fucking insane.
1: (laughs) So we're looking into platforms at the moment because we want to create a platform for BDSM content videos. But also I'm going to be hopefully doing some workshops soon. So I want to be able to record them and then upload them to a platform where I can, you know, where people can then who follow me or subscribe, well, not just to me, but to us. We're going to call it quite cheekily with the same branding you can see on my hoodies. That's cool hand floggers. But we're gonna call it House of Hands. Ah oh, nice. Uh, and we basi- basically we're looking for we're looking for a platform that we can put both educational and erotic content, not necessarily sexual, but BDSM BDSM erotic content on. <laughs> and it's a real bugger because Patreon is really, really harsh on adult content and even sex educators have been shut down on there, you know, even though they've selected an over 18s account. The only fans in a way it looks like one of the way it looks like the most feasible way to go practicality but I don't want it don't want it to be on only fans. and I don't that's nothing against people that have only fans accounts and make lots of money but that doesn't seem like the target audience and yeah the right and platform when platform for our offering for what we, for what we're trying to mm-hmm. build and do so yeah we're kind of so I might even talk with you at a later date about what your opinions and thoughts on certain different platforms yeah sure <laughs> It's tough, isn't it, deciding, you know, how you want to present yourself and what is right for you and how your product offering might fit into the surroundings. Yeah,
2: definitely, for sure. Like the, like I say, the pandemic made me re readjust and realise I don't need to be on adult work anymore because I just wasn't doing it versus how I worked now, which, you know, I'm still, pro- I'm still getting even just through FET life someone messaging me saying, oh, can I have um, a custom photo set or can I have a custom video? And that works out much better for me. It's mm-hmm. not me sitting down, have, being made up, potentially sitting for an hour and making a 10 tenner, potentially. Like mm-hmm. some, because that's the way it was rolling with some nights without at work. You could sit down in your pants for an hour and earn less than £10. Once they've taken their cut, some nights you would be sitting there for an hour and could earn like 200 quid. So the fact that I'm still getting, you know, pretty much every month someone contacted me saying, can I have X, Y, Z? It works out much better for me. It's that guaranteed money. And it's all I'm getting all the money that way. And it's much more time effective as well. Me just bashing out a video and 20 minutes, half an hour
0: done. The question, I'm not sure how to kind of phrase it sensitively. I guess it kind of ties in, in a way, to kind of DS dynamics and, and top bottom and, and dom and sub and who really holds the power. You've mentioned a number of things about OnlyFans, and you mentioned earlier being a feminist. Where do you stand on the issue of empowerment versus commodification as Ooh, applied to as applied <laughs> to sites like OnlyFans?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's down to pretty much, I love that question so fucking much because I've never really thought of it. <laughs> like, I guess. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Not laughs> always a
0: difficult question, isn't it? Yeah. On an interview.
2: Yeah. Like, like with, with sex work as a whole, you know, we don't include trafficking. Trafficking is different to sex work mm. when that, that's a totally different thing. And if you just look at sex, sex work and take away the trafficking then nine times out of ten people are doing it because they want to do it they want to be empowered or it could be for other reasons like they have medical needs and can't really get a job because of those needs um they might just be a total slag and that's fine too and let, like let, yeah let, let me be
0: clear <laughs> let me be clear I wasn't referring to human trafficking
2: yeah yeah I know I know you weren't but like obviously some people are like "Oh, sex work it's- bad and hmm. <laughs> but it's not it's you got to take away that um when it comes to digital stuff and the commodification like I don't know man
0: because <laughs> that's that's but, difficult thing isn't it you know a lot of people yeah. say okay this is empowering I mean, and I, I'm using my body and I'm I'm basically earning from it yeah but also the other end of it is you've got someone demanding like I want this from you and
2: yeah As long as
0: I am paying the right price I can get whatever I want
2: Yeah I mean I think it's a case of You've got to set those boundaries Like you would in a DNS relationship Mm. You know you've got to say I don't do xyz um when i first started i was like 23 and i admittedly did look a bit younger and was kind of trying to pose myself more as a sub and i was getting some very fucking sleazy requests and i thought i'm shutting this fucking down now and immediately changed my look i was wearing i went from wearing more you know short skirts kind of you know e-girl style stuff to wearing fishnets, loads of black studs, black lipstick, made myself look like a Dom. And that from then on in, it was kind of how I put myself out online mm. a lot more. I did I still say I switch and I do online but I definitely fit onto the D dominant mm. side, the DOM side a lot That's... more because you get much easier um and that's sleazy requests that way of a guy saying, can, can I have Joy jerk, jerk off instructions versus a guy saying, yeah, no. <laughs> um,
1: I find that so interesting, though, because, you, you know, you're like, you know, you used to dress sort of more subby and then like I you know made myself look more like a don but then that's based on preconceptions that have pro- obviously been set by men about what looks weak and what looks strong yeah definitely and it's going into all that isn't it because it's like you know for me it's like well actually I don't you know and maybe it's, it's certainly not it's certainly not because I'm an enlightened individual but I, don't, I i don't equate a certain look to a sort of a dominant look or a certain look to mm. a, sub- a submissive look but, but a lot of people do and you can and i can i can make that on offhand hand remarks still but looks more dominant or looks more submissive but it's just that we've conditioned i don't know you know the, the masses have conditioned ourselves through the generations to go yeah that looks submissive and that looks more powerful do you know what i mean it's it's yeah really, definitely for sure you know, somebody see, you know somebody sees you, the same person the same person on the screen in, in in two different outfits and they go, that person is dominant, that person is submissive.
2: Even on stage, like, um I'm currently doing burlesque teaching as well to get my name out there a little bit more. Um, And I've been discussing it with a few of my students, how if you play with your hair, if you suddenly cover your mouth with your hair, that's a very shy look. Versus if you pull, ruffle your hair at the back of your head with your, like, hands on the back, that suddenly looks it. really confident and assertive like just that subtle change of how you play with your hair
1: it's our time burns so uh miss may uh violent May, you have got an absolute treat you are joining us for another episode of the encyclopedia of unusual sexual practices it's not right it's not okay but it is entertainment It is, it is a book that I've had sitting in my kink drawer for around 15 years. It served as a bit of a novelty and then gathered dust for maybe nearly a decade. And when we started doing uh, varying degrees of EDSM podcasts, it saw the light of the day and found a new life. And we've slowly been working through it. And we're on the letter I tonight. So um, if you're willing to participate, you win? Yeah, I'm game. Okay, so I'm going to read out a word. I'm going to pronounce it really badly. Struggle with a Latin breakdown because I mean, listen to me, and and then you're going to try and guess what it is. You and Burns are going to try and oh. guess what it is. Okay, so starting us off tonight, we have got infibulation. Is that something to do with your heart? Oh, what, would you like the spelling? oh it, it, It's not going to help me to be honest. No, it's it's, it's pretty simple. It's as it sounds. Infibulation.
2: <laughs> My face, so, I'm know like,
1: <laughs> Well, the in. The in is for inside and fibulate that which fastens. So there are your clues. Inside, it's like a crossword. It's like a kink. Buttons,
2: crossword. poppers, yeah. like not, not actual poppers. like.
0: I was
1: going to say quote. poppers or something quite different.
2: Yeah, not <laughs> those kink. ones. It the
1: other one. Unusual sexual practices. Inside, fastening. Sewing up someone's bum. <laughs> Close. Closer than so far. I'll give it to you. Look. Okay infibulation is the term that is used for either sewing or fastening of the foreskin over the penis or sewing that labia minora over the labia major oh sewing them together or sewing the scrotum around the penis the type of the type of penis infibulation determines whether it prevents full erection or only penetration infibulation
2: i mean that's a strong start from that book isn't it <laughs>
0: It's what happens at the when you when you mix up a
1: fetish party and the women's institute meeting <laughs> and it actually it gets quite dark it gets quite dark because it then talks about sort of uh practices in certain parts of the world of genital mutilation and stuff like that so it actually gets pretty dark but um yeah in that case i think we should move on
0: mm.
1: insufflation insufflation i-n-s-u-f insufflation isn't that
0: like inhaling stuff yeah so,
1: like, we're kind of back to close. poppers, aren't we? Close, <laughs> close, close.
2: Oh, is that, like, the balloon stuff? Exhaling? Close,
1: blowing. More jobs. What? <laughs> Not quite. Just or blowing air.
2: At- into Ow. a
1: person, into a person <laughs> has been done in almost every orifice. The medical profession uses it to revive As, an asphyxiated person with mouth to, mouth to resuscitation. Um, so it goes into all aspects of it. It's basically the act of uh, blowing air into somebody and it can be done sexually through <laughs> an orifice of your choice. I'm not looking at either one of you particularly there.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: dear God. The next one's a favourite of mine for play um, and sort of Emmet. I knew you said M&S play then. <laughs> MS. Well
2: MSN S&M,
1: <laughs> S&M play. This is not just your kink, this is your MS kink. It's a favourite of mine for SNM play, uh interrogation. Uh, we're not going to go into that in one detail, but you know what interrogation is about. I've got a more interesting sounding one though. Go on. Inunction. no nope. anybody here know what inunction mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. No, not a clear.
0: Yeah,
1: tumbleweeds on that one. It refers to those who have their body lathered up or rubbed in an oil, then use a partner of ob- object lied against cool. Oh my that- god. Americans, Americans during the 60s, I don't know how many Americans, I'm I'm assuming only a small number, <laughs> <laughs> although they are an odd bunch, so who knows? Would have a mazola, would have mazzola parties where all participants would have to undress, rub their bodies in oil and messle or play on plastic sheets. It's dirty bastards. The bathhouses <laughs> in Bangkok, Thailand that offer similar services. A client has a choice of laying on a lathered air mattress with a lady wiggling on top of him. Why are they assuming the client's are him? <laughs> 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 or being lathered and laying between two withering women. <laughs> The lava alleviates friction and produces a sensation, but is drastically different from normal skin-to-skin contact. Wow, that's lovely, and that's I. Well, that's certainly I'm an education. Learned
2: something today.
1: You did you absolutely did? So, which one of those will you be trying out, guys? Burns. Should None of them. Fair play. I don't um, know. Maybe I'm getting less and less aroused by the encyclopedia of unusual sexual practices as we go on. Maybe I'm becoming desensitised. Maybe. But apparently that is a problem. But you would have thought it happened a long time ago. For me, to be fair.
0: Sorry, I'll bring you round. So. Will you now? Will you bring me up? So our recurring, our final recurring section is called Jocanotti, and it's basically a rip off of Jackanory. For those that haven't been following the podcast and haven't got the joke seconds after it was first told anyway so this is an excerpt from the bad sex and fiction awards and they take literary fiction and every year since 1993 they have taken some bad sex scenes from fiction so this is from philip kerr's gridiron the 1995 winner quickly he threw off his own clothes and rolled on top of her Detaching mind from over-eager gnomon and its exquisitely appointed shadowy task, he began to make love to her. When they had finished, they lay under the sheet and watched TV. After a while, Mitch glanced at the gold Rolex Submariner watch on his wrist. I ought to be going, he said. Well, there you go. Tender hook-up in a nutshell, isn't it, really? Uh, <laughs> I actually I d- looked through look this earlier. And I had to look up what Norman was, and it's basically the bit on a sundial that casts a shadow. So this guy has essentially got a cock that can tell the time, <laughs> which is, is quite a thing. So there you go, Philip Carr, Amazing. The 1995 winner of the Bad Sex and Fiction Awards.
1: Now, I know that erotic is your thing, Burns, but I've got something here that I spotted under the letter I from the Encyclopedia of Unusual Sexual Practices, and it was a wee poem. And I decided not to do that entry for the letter I, but I think it seems we're we're on the same sort of vibe and wavelength. I might read you guys a couple of lines from it, and you can see what unusual sexual practice, beginning with I, this person was writing about. Cool. Sleeping Beauty laid out under the gauzy veil of sleep. I feel the hall of light strike me in the chest and I curl around it, roll away into my dreams away. Any guess what that's about yet? What what unusual sexual practice beginning with I, no? And darting hungry eyes, hoping that this time the burning incandescence will fade to the cool, empty blackness. But when the light dies, it leaves a stirring in the dark that cleaves me into my dreams, breathes them into a rising, spinning life. Any guesses what unusual sexual practice beginning with I this person was writing about?
2: I was about to say eyelids, but no, that doesn't, that, that doesn't show how tired no, I am. No. <laughs> That's
1: a sorry, style. sorry, mate. <laughs> the eye is unchanged, and I wish for a needle. Immune to kisses, to drain me for the last time. Of curse, weight
2: Injections?
1: No. It promise. was incest And on that note This has been very Degrees a podcast. Thank you for joining us For another episode This evening We have been A cool hand ad Sway, side Burns And Violent May Violent Thank you for uh, joining us
2: Yeah Thank you pleasure. for having me
1: Can I plug? <laughs> you can plug Please do you can plug. Come on plug
2: Plug 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 Well if you are Interested in a video Or want to come to One of my shows Find me on Fat Life Instagram Or Facebook I'm Violent May On all of them, if you would like to come along, support my Bellas baby, Untamed Belles. find us on Facebook. We're only on Facebook on because reasons I, I don't know. There's too much social media. <laughs> Otherwise, um, they've got. I've got two shows coming up, technically three, I guess. Um, one is the 5th of June in Bath. The next one is 9th of July in Plymouth. And then the one after that is in December, on December 12th, I think. It's in December in Bath.
1: (laughs) Anyway, um, come along watch some awesome fellas amazing thank you and and burns um any final thoughts from you buddy not really i think uh everything
0: that's needed to be said has been said uh thank you for coming on and me. It's yeah been thank great. you for having me
1: You're very welcome <laughs> hopefully you come back come back another yeah. time you know, <laughs> find out how things are going sort of post pandemic and what's going on in the future mm. it'd be great to have you but in the meantime uh thank you to our listeners uh join us again in about another month or so if we can keep this up